Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Anya Rock, a woman, artist, entrepreneur, mom, and high-performance coach. I'm working on becoming the best version of myself and inspiring others to do the same. This is my invitation to you to be part of the collective shifting of consciousness. Let's choose love. Let's choose joy. And let's rock your joy one day at a time. Hi, friends. Welcome back. My guest today, Anne-Marie Chiriso, asks one of my favorite questions. If you knew then what you know now, what would you do? If you could go back and talk to your teenage self, what advice would you give yourself? What lessons and insights do you have that you would offer as a way to ease some of the struggle? Anne-Marie is an author and a teacher. She's a mother. And she's a coach who works with teens and young people, empowering them to be authentically happy and free to reach their full potential. Anne-Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Especially, um, you know, given everything that's going on, how are you today? Okay, good question. Um, I made a commitment about 16 years ago when I was going through my divorce that I would forever answer that question honestly. And so how am I? Mm. I'm, I'm actually pretty great. I'm great to the point where I'm almost feeling guilty about how good I feel given what's going on out in the world. Mm. I feel that too. I feel there's a, a thread of, of us feeling um, like we have to disclaim it right? That there's a disclaimer to having some, finding joy, finding purpose. Like it's not okay to be okay right now because there's so much suffering out in the world. Right. So I should just, shh, don't tell anyone, but I'm secretly loving it. Well, you have the space to celebrate it here. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so tell me about who is Anne-Marie and what's your mission in life? Hmm. That's a really great question. I'm sort of giggling inside because I'm normally the one doing the interviewing for podcasts. And now I'm sitting here going, oh, this is how that person feels when they're asked that question. So who am I? The first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is mom. So it's interesting that um, I'm leading with that label. Um, Another label that comes to mind is um, spiritual seeker. Another label that comes to mind is wife. Um, Another label um, is coach. Yeah, those are the top ones that come to mind when when that question is posed to me. And um, what was tell me the second part of that question again? And what is your mission? What do you feel called to share? This is such a great question for me because I've been all over the board with my mission. And I think if I were to sum it up in a nutshell, it's to wake one another up to their inherent you know, genius and remind us all of how connected we are and how important it is for each one of us to step into our full aliveness. So that's really broad, right? (laughs) What I like to do, so I'm a coach, I'm a conscious parenting coach. um, I've worked in a mindfulness teacher and a meditation teacher. And 
I used to work a lot just with parents and educators in school settings because I really wanted to bring mindfulness and meditation into the education, the world of education. And um, that was sort of an uphill battle. Um, And what I really got with this, I get really lit up and excited working with young adults. So I do a lot of work with young adults as they're navigating uh, independence and autonomy. So um, right out of high school in through the college years and um, that period of time in life. And what that often involves is um, relationship between parent, child. So there's a lot of stuff that unwinds between young adults and their parents. So yeah, what I like to do is I like to support young adults and the parents in their lives to wake up to one another in really beautiful ways. And I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And I love that you just to circle back, I love that, you know, you are conscious of this, of the label of, you know, I'm a mother and a wife and a coach. A couple of weeks ago when I was doing some of my new, my website and some branding and I was writing descriptions, my husband and I had that same conversation. Like, where do you put mother into this list of labels and like you acknowledge it's always there. Some days it's first in the list. Some days it's lower down, but it it's, um, and they are just ways that we show up in the world la- labels, right? They're, They're just labels. Like, yeah. Like, who am I? I'm just a human being in the world. Ultimately that's, that's ultimately who I am. But to that point, you know, we're in this shelter in place time in the world and I have three kids and six stepchildren. And right now there's um, seven of us sheltering in place. So um, my nephew's living with us. He's a grown man. He's 33 years old and he's been living with us for about a year. But what I've noticed is interesting is because my kids are older. So um, I have one high school age daughter, but a college age son and college age daughter. And now they're all home. And when they're out of the house, I think mother... Mother's always at the top of the mind, right? Like I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm thinking about is, okay, my kid's all okay. She's out in New York and is, is everyone taken care of? Like this, this internal nurturing part of me is always at the surface. But I work from home like you and they're gone most of the time. So my mind is a little bit relaxed or free. But now I'm noticing during this shelter in place time with all of those people in the house, when I wake up, the first thing I'm thinking about is like, okay, is everyone taken care of in the house? Is there enough food? Is there the, and it's just living in me in this way in which, you know, it's energetically taking up a lot of space and it's really different. So I've had to really get devoted to practicing stepping back and putting myself first, which has been incredibly hard. And it's a practice that I've been working on for years now, because I know that if I'm not first taking care of myself, I'm not at all available to them, no matter what. So it's really been a great opportunity in this period of time, the past six weeks, to practice like, okay, here is what I need to be, you know, to set the conditions for my own thriving what do I need to do? And am I willing to prioritize that? Because that mom label is so heavy for me. So anyway, that all that just came to mind as, as you yeah. talked about that. I think it's so relevant right now for all of us. And, you know, 
having a conversation on the Rock Your Joy podcast. This this is a place to celebrate the stories of finding joy amidst the chaos and the blessings, you know, that are right in our fingertips, even when it feels messy. Yes. As it's always there. Yeah. And there is a route always to finding it, but we have to become aware. We have to go inward and feel into what is right for me today. Where am I? Who, you know, so that we can be that way with our family, with our community. We can't show up for those others unless we show up for ourselves. And I Absolutely think right. this is more than ever. This is when it becomes clear. All, all the cracks, <laughs> you know, become so clear that we have to really be doing that work right now. Yeah. It's, it's paramount for me. And, and then staying devoted to that, even when the noise out there is clamoring for something else, I think is the challenge that we all face as mothers, as entrepreneurs, as wives, as community members. Like, I think there's this part of us who's always first looking out, like what, what is needed from me versus what is needed for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your journey to being a coach and to being who you are. I mean, you talked about first trying to bring the, the coaching to educators. What called you to coaching in the first place and how has that evolved? That's a really good question. Um, boy, how little I think about myself. Um, <laughs> well, when you said that, the first thing that came to mind was, I mean, I think I've been coaching since I was really young. I was sort of the coach in my family. Um, I can think back to being like 11 years old and the kind of books I read. I was always reading personal development and just books that none of my friends were reading and that were way beyond my years at the time. It would be, uh, if I saw someone reading the books now at 11 that I was reading then, I would think, what is wrong with this kid? (laughs) So I think the thing that we all end up doing in our life is the thing that we've always been doing in our life. And we just didn't have a label for it. And I always knew even from a very young age that I wanted to get into psychology or self-help or something like that. But In my teenage years, I also really wanted to be an interior designer. And I just knew it from the time I was in eighth grade. I was like, I'm going to be an interior designer. And I started going through the yellow pages because back then there were the yellow pages. There weren't computers (laughs) back then. And I found this school in downtown Chicago and I applied. I applied in the eighth grade. I'm like, oh, great. I've got this all figured out. And this is where I want to go to school. And this is what I'm going to do. And they, of course, sent me a letter back and they're like, well, you, you kind of need to go to high school first. My parents didn't even know I did that. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a bummer. You know, I'm like, I got to waste four years in high school. So I did the high school thing. And then I went to design school and I got my degree in interior design and architecture. And it was fantastic. And I knew that, you know, once I became a mother, here we go back to the mother thing, that I would um, go back to school and I would get a, a degree in psychology, child psychology. And then life had a different plan. I um, was pregnant with my third child and my ex-husband and I were going through divorce and there was no time and space or money to go back to school. That wasn't going to happen. Three children, single mother. So as life would have it, a friend of mine called me and I was, it was 2008. So it was a crazy, crazy time. And a friend of mine called me and said, you know, 
there's this Martha Beck life coach training program that a friend of mine's doing, and I think you should do it. And I'll never forget it because I was walking in car line, going to pick up my kids from school, going, what are you talking about? Like, what is it? What even is that? She's like, I don't even really know, but I just think you should do it. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll check it out. And literally within 24 hours, I was signed up. And it was one of these things where I just started to follow my like knowing, my internal knowing and not question it. It was really an, one of my first experiences in deep flow. And I mean, that was the next nine months I was doing that. I was coaching within a few months and it was like, oh, this is it for me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I've always had this passion for, I'm going to use this one statement, if I knew now what I, if I knew then what I know now. And I just, I always really liked this idea of if our young, I I ended up coaching a lot of friends, obviously contemporaries and a lot of us in middle age, right? Like figuring out like who we are and what we want to do with our lives. And so many of us ended up on a path that wasn't right for us. So people doing things they didn't want to do because their parents said they should, or because they thought it was the right thing to do. And I was seeing this deep connection between people in their forties and fifties and this deep unhappiness and marriages falling apart and families falling apart and, you know, all these patterns and habits that did not actually lift us up into our most joyful lives. And I kept thinking, gosh, if you just knew when you were 20, you didn't want to be that lawyer that you are today, how different would your life be? And so the more I was working with, you know, people in their middle time in their life, the more I got with like, I really want to get them younger. I really want to start talking to to younger people, not to necessarily change, change them, but just give them an opportunity to see a little bit more clearly. So um, I started working in school because I thought getting to kids, one way you can get to kids is through school. Started working with parents because I know that us as parents, we can create a lot of our children's suffering you know, from our own fears. And that all felt really great. And um, then I just started getting more and more, as my children were getting older and I was talking and working with their friends and their friends would gather here and we'd be having all these great conversations. I started noticing, oh, these are my people. This is who I really like talking to. So that's um, that's where I'm at now. And, and we're still working a lot with parents, which is great but that seems like a really long answer to your question. No, it's great. Well, it was the second part of my question was really about how you got to working specifically with youth as you do so much now. So that was a great answer. I love it. So as someone who empowers people to be authentically happy, particularly young people, and I think that I'm really grateful that you're doing this work for young people as a, as a mom, as someone who's you know, when they're little and we have our challenges when they're little, but as, as I see them moving, especially I have a nine-year-old moving into this embodiment of her own, you know, being. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is always a relationship with parent, but just to, like you said, if I had known then what I know now, I wish I had had more tools Mm -hmm. to be able to navigate and to find that sense of inner peace and calm and freedom. Freedom is the word. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And I think if you could encapsulize it into one word, I think that's the word it's freedom because 
I know that as a parent, how much of myself I project onto my children and how tethered they are by those things. And I think my, the single most important job I think I can do as a parent is free my kids from any of the stuff that gets in the way of them being their own being. So any projections I have or any ways in which I think they should or shouldn't be or any ways in which I think their life should be led, like I absolutely want to free them from the burden of my ideals. And that is an incredibly difficult thing. To I was going to say, that is so much easier to say than to do. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm wildly aware of it and I do it all the time. Right. And in that, ten, right, the tension in between those two things is where there's so much great relationship building, I believe. Oh, and understanding sure. that it's in my imperfection as a parent and in my in my work and in my willingness, hopefully, to try to come to the table over and over with my children and say, wow, I didn't do that very well. <laughs> like, let's try again. And to be aware, right? Like, so one of the practices I have with my kids is to be fully revealed and to take 100% responsibility. And what that means is, this is a good example because it's pretty benign, so I, I won't offend any of my children, but um, my daughter's learning to drive. She's 16, my youngest daughter, or she's going to be 16. And I hate teaching people to drive. I hate it. It just, I feel so out of control and it's just, I hate it. And I get super controlling in the car, you know, and as parents, we are hyper controlling. We're like, we micromanage our kids, no matter how hard we try not to, it's just innately what we we do. And I'm, I do it all the time and I'm aware of it. And my kids and I talk about it, but in the car with her, I'm doing that like, <laughs> Thing all the time. And it drives her crazy. And of course it drives her crazy. And so then I'm telling her, stop, go slow down. You're doing this, you're doing that. So finally, you know, she's like, this is terrible. I don't want to do this with you anymore. And I just got really responsible for myself. And what I said to her was, Hey, look, here's the deal. You're not doing anything wrong. I'm the one with the problem over here. And I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'm scared. There's just, no matter how you can, it can come up with a whole list of reasons why, and it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is I'm, I'm scared. And from my fear, I'm trying to control whatever it is you're doing. And I just want to take responsibility for that. So, so you can know me, like know me as a human being, you know, there's this, this other, I'm your mother, but I'm also first and foremost, a human just trying to be in the world. And I have all sorts of emotions and experiences going on just like you. And I said, in that, like, if you can know me and know I'm scared, I'm not going to make it your responsibility. You don't have to fix me or change me or make me not scared. But what I'm asking is a little grace. So while we're going through this experience, I might like every now and then, or I might do something that isn't particularly friendly to your experience. And I'm going to do my best to be aware of it. And I need you to just hang in there with me. And so there's this like agreement now between us that might not have existed otherwise if if I wasn't sort of taking full responsibility for like, hey, this is all about me and it has really nothing to do with you or how you're driving. That's just a really small example, but we do that in so many ways. Um, I can think about ways in which I do it with my older kids, you know, as they're navigating young adulting, 
and making decisions that I might not necessarily agree with. And then I get in there and I, I try and control and then there's resistance. And so when I really get quiet and still and I, I go, oh, there I am, I'm afraid again. I'm that scared mom again. And and I want their lives to be perfect and I want them to be happy and I don't want them to struggle and I'm going to do everything I can to create that for them. And what I'm actually just creating is disconnection with my kids and resistance. And so when I own all that, and I go to my kids and say, hey, I did that thing yesterday because I'm afraid and I have I have an agenda for you that might not even be aligned with your own agenda. But I just want you to, I just want you to know I love you and and I'm just doing the best I can. And there's a real freedom in that for me because I think as parents, we sometimes forget to allow ourselves to just be human. So I want to free us all. Like we get to we get to have our experience in all this as as human beings, as parents. And they get to have theirs. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love that being fully revealed. As someone who's coached, you know, on both sides, do you think that's really the key for all of us to finding more freedom and really living to our full potential is in revealing and living in that space of, of truth? For sure. It's one of the practices that I'm most devoted to. If we all, all of us listening, pay attention, we withhold so much from the people we love. And we do it to manipulate. And as much as we don't want to, to, to see that that's true, we say things like, well, I'm trying to be nice, or I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, or I don't want to upset anyone. What we're actually doing is trying to control everyone's experience. And so when I started devoting myself to this practice of fully revealing myself, I not only got to know myself better because I wasn't hiding from my own self, right? But the people I love got to know me better. And from that place, we got to have a much more authentic relationship, even if it's uncomfortable. Now, it's in that discomfort that I think real connection occurs. Was that a bumpy transition? Oh into God, fully it, still <laughs> it still is. Like there's still things I'm like, oh, I don't want to say that thing. A, I don't want to own it about myself. I don't want to own that I have that thought or feeling. It's like just jumping into a pool of vulnerability. Like it's so vulnerable to be fully revealed. And my husband and I have a practice of being fully revealed with one another. And I have the practice with my kids. We all have it in the family. And there is a ton of resistance, ton. And so it's, it continues to be rocky. It's never not rocky. Mm. Interesting. I love that you use the word devotion a lot as opposed to commitment or promise. Like, tell me about that, the energy of that word for you. Hmm. Yeah. So devotion feels to me like deeply spiritual. And um, gosh, that's funny. I don't know. As you say it, I'm thinking like, I relax into the word devotion, right? I like I drop all the way into my heart when I hear the word devotion. Commitment feels like a should, like committed. Like think about the word committed. You know, like yeah, it feels more head-centric than heart-centric to me. So yeah, so for me it's devotion. It's about what am I deeply devoted to? I agree. Devotion has a, it feels like an offering. Yes. Like a, I don't know. It has a, a beauty, a depth and a beauty to it. I like offering. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Mm. 
So given our current state being in a global crisis and pandemic, and there is a lot of anxiety, um, both for the youth that you're working with, I'm sure, and parents. Oh, yeah. How are you approaching that same conversation? Is it just more of this deepening into these tools? How are you helping these young people who've, I'm sure, experienced huge loss, as we all have, but I see a lot of people, obviously my kids aren't this old yet, but they have experienced loss as well for school, but particularly kids that are about to go to university or are in this major life transition. And then the parents that are helping them navigate that. How are you, you know, how would you share with someone some ideas of navigating that space right now? Yeah. So being someone whose life took a giant unexpected turn, you know, my life was very planned out from the time I was 16. I had a plan, a life plan. Every five years, I knew exactly what my life was going to look like until I was about 35. And like right down to how much money I was making, what I was doing, what kind of, where I was living, what kind of house I was living in, all of it. I was visioning and I didn't know I was visioning. And all of it came true. And when I was in my early 30s and my marriage started to fall apart and I was pregnant with my third child and all of a sudden life was like completely upside down and I went into a complete panic. I, I was like, whoa, 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 what? What are you talking about here? This is not part of the plan. This this is not the plan. I had the plan. And this was not at all part of it. And I spent many years resisting that. And in that resistance caused a tremendous amount of suffering for myself, my ex-husband, um, my children, etc. And when I finally just surrendered, which was many years later, um I realized that there were so many gifts in that quote unquote crisis in my life. And that if I would have just opened my eyes a little bit sooner and surrendered sooner, my life would have taken a different path. And again, I don't want to point at it saying something was wrong or bad. What I'm saying is in every quote unquote crisis, because I don't actually hold what's going on in the world right now as a crisis at all which I know is an unfriendly stand to take. Um, But I hold it as a giant opportunity to renew, to go inward, to get still, to learn more about ourselves and one another. Like To me, this is one of the most exciting times there is. And what I ask young adults and parents who are supporting them to do in this time is really look at it as an opportunity and really use it as an opportunity to get curious and explore like what's in it for me. How can this actually be for me? And when I take all my time and attention and focus on what I'm not getting as a result of what's occurring, well, what's that going to get that? You know, that's just going to cause me more suffering. But if I can just be open and not resist I wonder what's going to occur. So I really like to talk about like what's in my control, what's not in my control, and from the place of what's in my control, what opportunities can I create from there? And I want to second make a second point is, and there's grieving, and there's loss. 
So this is an opportunity for us to practice really feeling our feelings and being with everything that's occurring in a really deeply authentic way. And because we're quote unquote in a crisis, right? And people are being pushed to their limits. um, I'm finding more and more people are facing their feelings and feeling it because they don't have any other choice. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. I can't run to the bar with my friends or I can't go to dinner with, you know, people and have great wine. Like I've got to, I have to stay here and face it because there's no place else to go. And so I think there's just lots of beautiful opportunity in all of that. I agree. I agree. I really, on a, you know, I've been asking on, on some of my solo episodes, you know, can you reframe this as a gift and really look for the possibilities and the, the opportunity to connect even with my kids who are younger to share stories of resilience and, you know, what we are. I honestly thought the other day I might be a little sad when everybody goes back to school. (laughs) I will absolutely enjoy dinners out with my girlfriends and the, the ability to, you know, go back to life in many ways. But we are also in our family willing to rewrite normal. Yes. And look at what pieces of this are we wanting to take forward because there are pieces that have brought us closer and there's always, there's always a gift if we look for it. Yes. There is always a gift. Um, and there's an honoring of the, the suffering before we can see the gift. So I absolutely want to acknowledge that and, and invite everyone to, to be with that. Because a lot of us can get into this positive psychology mindset and do what I call and what many call is a spiritual bypass. So when you're having experience and you want to go, but there's a gift, let's go look for the gift, go find the gift. And then we skip over our own um, grieving. So I think you, neither you and I are suggesting anyone does that. We honor that and simultaneously, like hold it equally. Let's be in a place of equanimity around both the joy and the suffering. And that's the deliciousness of life, right? Like all of this can coexist simultaneously. And, you know, our job is sort of to learn to be with the joy and the suffering, that that's that's what life is here for, right? It's not just a one-sided thing. It would be completely imbalanced for us as human beings to only have one experience all the time. Absolutely. So Rock Your Joy is all about women cultivating joy. How are you cultivating joy in these moments? Well, I, I mean, it's funny, cultivate, right? Like till the soil. There's, there's a certain level of joy that I think exists for me. Um, one way that joy exists is I just really love the work that I get to do. And it was funny. I was telling my husband yesterday, um, he's retired. So I'm working and I work a lot. Sometimes that's not super friendly to the family unit. And yesterday afternoon, I wasn't feeling great. So I took a little bit of the afternoon off and I was sort of sitting around and I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself here. Like there's nothing to do. And I was getting angsty. And I realized how much joy I I derive from the work that I get to do. And I've spent many years cultivating that, right? And here I am now being able to do that. So I think my work is someplace that really brings me a lot of joy. But also, like, there's just really teeny tiny things. Like, um, I have some roses on my desk right now. I have my favorite candle lit. I have a great meditation practice that brings me a lot of joy. We play cards at night. We, like... So there's just these little tiny things 
that are the building blocks for a really joyful life experience that are super simple. They're not very complicated. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you. That was that was brilliant. I don't I won't keep you too long, but that was a really wonderful conversation and it's been a real pleasure to connect with you on this in this time and space and I've been following you and taking your meditations on Instagram. Oh, thanks. So tell us where we can find you on, you know, in the world. We'll put some of your links in our show notes, but can we where do you live outside of this space? Yep. Uh, so right now we're spending a lot of time on Instagram at Anne Marie Chiresso. Um, it's a new page, so um, happy to plug it and send people over there. Our old page um, was called University.U, which is the podcast that I host for young adults and entrepreneurs and whatnot. So that page, um, University.U, we're now driving everyone over to Anne Marie Tresso. And then there's uh, my website is me. also new, just launched it a few weeks ago, right about when coronavirus and shelter in place hit. Um, so those are two great places to to look for me. Great. Well, thank you for being here. This has been a real pleasure. Yeah, it's been really fun talking to you. Thank you me so too. much. I've enjoyed it. Awesome. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? You can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore healthy living. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.